God's word from 1 Peter, chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another, be sympathetic, live as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you might inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from all evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if they do, and you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your heart, set Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Have you ever been a witness to a crime, maybe a mugging or a robbery or or uh, maybe you've been the victim of a crime and got a knock on the head. But I think anyone who witnesses a crime is conflicted. They have conflicted feelings because you want the person uh, that is doing wrong, the criminal, to be punished. But then you know if you say, I'll be a witness, that it means that you have to talk to the police and go to court. It's going to cost you time and money. And you can't be sure of the outcome, what will happen as a result of all this. You can't be sure that justice will be done or that the right thing will happen. And you also can wonder if this criminal that's looking at you might remember you and come after you. And many people think there's not much difference between a wit- being a witness to to Christ and being a witness in a court because there are, then there are some similarities. You want to do what's right. You know that being a witness is the right thing to do. But you wonder how it's going to come out, if it will really be effective. Because most of people that live in this culture have heard the gospel. They know about Christ or think they do. And if you speak to them, they might reject it. They've already heard it or they would be involved, and they might, you might feel rejected or that you did something wrong. And we certainly don't want to be put in the category of a radical Christian by any means, right? Have you ever thought about what if people hadn't heard about Jesus? What if the, the, um, the good news was, not, was new news? And not all news. Wouldn't it be nice if you could go up to someone that hadn't heard about Jesus and tell them about this guy Jesus and that he came down from heaven and died for us and rose for us, that he taught us how to live and that we could be forgiven and be right with God, and they would respond. And uh, wouldn't that be thrilling? And that even on Sunday morning... um, was new in the days in the early days because there were so many gods and goddesses in the culture that people went to worship every day of the week and the Christians were 
worshiped on Sunday morning. And wouldn't it be wonderful if they saw how the Christians love each other and the hope that they have and even ask, could you explain what's going on and what you have there? Wouldn't that be great? It's happened a couple times in Africa, but not often. But not very often here, as we all know. And sometimes we have a negative image um, because of our own experience of what a witness could be. It's an aggressive Christian who buttonholes you in a corner at a party somewhere and tries to straighten you out, or they're spreading leaflets on the street or screaming out things about Jesus. And none of us want to be that. And Peter said to do it with gentleness and reverence. So he certainly was not affirming this manner of witness. But he said, be ready. And every minute, any time to give a witness. And I think what he was saying is be ready to tell your story. Jesus, if Jesus is center of your life, he is Lord, as Peter has called us to do. If he's supreme in your life, you want to tell the story because it's such a part of your life. And this is what we're called to do. We want to share, but we are to set apart Christ as Lord first. When he is Lord, everything revolves around him. And, and I think people watch for authenticity. You know, we watch each other in the church. We look around watch each other. It's human nature in schools and business and families and neighborhoods. We watch each other. And I think people have heard so many words and so many speeches and sales pitches and believe this, do this, that words sometimes aren't effective unless they're matched by a life lived for Christ. If they observe the living Christ in you, they're more likely to take your words seriously. And that's true of your neighbors or anyone. We are to be good news before we share good news, is what Peter is saying. And think about it. We have the power, when we call ourselves Christians, to draw people to Christ or to repel them from him. And this has implications all the way to eternity. Lee Strobel, the famous author, was a reporter for the Chicago Tribune in the 80s. And he was not a Christian, and he was not interested in becoming a Christian. But his wife, Leslie, started attending Willow Creek Church, and she became a Christian. And she started, as we tend to do, pressure our family to become one if we found it. And so he wrote a book which is quite interesting, called Inside the Mind of Unchurched Harry and Mary. And in the book, he says, when I walked into the church, I was a skeptical unbeliever, and my hypocrisy antenna was up, scanning, looking at the people, looking for signs that people were playing at church, that this wasn't really real. I was aggressively on the lookout for phoniness and deception, because I thought if I could point that out to my wife, I could reject the church, and then I wouldn't have to come to Christ. But he got involved in, with some of the people there who were living it out or trying to live it out as imperfectly as they were. He saw the living Christ in them, and he found Christ, and they led him to Christ. It's powerful. 
when we live it out. And Peter calls us to live it out, but he also calls us to be prepared at any moment. We're never off duty. Every encounter with another person is a divine appointment, and we should be prepared and looking for it. And, and Peter calls us to be prepared and willing to share the hope that's within us. St. Francis of Assisi uh, got what uh, witnessing meant hundreds of years ago. He was quoted, and some people dispute whether he said this or not, but somebody said it, that to be a witness for Christ and use words if you have to, and that's what he was talking about. He's not saying don't use words. That would be ridiculous. But he's saying as best you can have your life match up with your words. And he was affirming the power of a life lived for Jesus Christ. I hear discouragement with Christians. I've heard this a few times, and maybe you've thought it or heard it as well. I have never led anyone to Christ. I want to lead them to Christ. Well, sometimes we get the opportunity to do that, but that isn't all that witnessing about. And when someone says that, maybe they came from a place where you learn the four spiritual laws of the Roman road or a method. And those have been used by certain people with good effects, and I'm not putting them down, but it's not everyone's way, and not everyone is able to do that. And I think, but we all are able to share our lives with Jesus and why he's important and be content. You pray, ask God, use me with this person. He wants willing people that'll speak and encourage the truth. And, and he will tell you when it's stop and when to go if you pay attention and you're willing. And you don't have to do it all to be a witness. You can share your story. And it doesn't have to be the whole thing. And I remember Billy Graham, Graham saying once, the great evangelist Billy Graham, that rarely did anybody come up to the front to give their lives to Christ at one of his crusades that people had not, people had been praying for them before they, he, they ever heard him and had been witnessing to him. Rarely was it the first time. And so those people were part of this person at Billy Graham's crusade coming to Christ. So I think to learn to, we can't save anybody. We can only speak of the truth we have. God has to work in the heart and call that person home. And he has people, other people, everywhere. And to be content with doing what you can. And the more you do, the more you learn and the and more he empowers you. And I think you be, become better at it when you have the courage to begin. One of the members of this church w- worked with a colleague and uh, she had a crisis in her life and was very upset. And she, she had a, a, a Christian background, but hadn't practiced it maybe ever. Certainly, she hadn't set apart Christ as Lord of her life and didn't go to church. And so he heard her story, and he gave her a Bible. That's all he did. And he was perfectly competent and capable of doing a lot more. But in his heart, that's what he felt God had told him to do, give her a Bible. And she said, I read that Bible. I didn't understand a word of it. I kept reading it. But I felt close to God and wanted to know more about him. So she took some other significant steps 
in her life with other people and finally gave her heart to the Lord and became part of a, a community. And you know, we have a loving church here. And sometimes we can give a Bible. That's what God calls you to do. Or just simply invite somebody to come to something special at the church or come to church because they will see us loving each other. They will hear the truth here. They will experience Christ. He's alive here, and he's alive in you, and he's alive in us. And they will meet him here. And, and then perhaps that they will want it because our love for each other is a powerful witness. And as someone said, Christianity is often caught more than it's taught. And especially these days with so much hype out there, if we can get people into the church to really see what we're about and hear the truth over a period of time, I think it is a great witness. And also, as I said before, every day you're someplace and people are in your life. Nancy, the new mission director, and I went to Short Hills Mall a few weeks ago, and while we were there, we went into a cosmetic shop, and she was interested in buying some cosmetics, and we were chatting about the church back and forth. And I, so she sat down, and this, one of the uh, salespeople there was make you know, she's already beautiful, but she was helping her become more beautiful, and I was watching it. And another one was standing close to me, a young woman, and she said, where do you guys work? I heard you talking. And I told her. And, I, and it was a great opening, so I didn't miss it, thank God. I said, are you a Christian? And she said, well, I used to be a Catholic, but I didn't live up to my grandmother's standards, so I don't do anything anymore. And I said, well, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Uh, yeah. And so then I simply told her what it meant to be a Christian. And then the when I was near the end of it, she burst out crying really loudly and ran into the back. Well, I don't know what I did, what I set off, what I did right or wrong. So I said, help, you know, and, and I went into the back room and I just put my arms around her and I prayed for her. And I didn't know what to pray for and I just asked God to use me. And then I felt clearly, stop, that's enough. And I said to her, look, I'm going to be praying for you, and I want you to talk to Jesus every day. I think you have a lot of things to talk to him about. And he's there 24-7, and he cares about you, and he's listening. And that was as far I, as I knew I should go at the moment. I wanted, I wanted her sitting here. I wanted to know her. But it didn't seem to be what I was called to do. And I've gone by there a couple times, and, and she wasn't there. But I, I know God has other people. And so I did what was given and what I felt God was calling me to do, and he will honor it. And I think that uh, we're to be prepared, and it's not wrong to think about it ahead of time, so you will be prepared, especially if you're nervous, because wherever you go, if people that you know and people that are non-Christians will say, how are you, how's it going? And you can think up your own line, well, financially, in this economy, I'm making it. My family's fine. Spiritually, I'm great. See how they react. They, they may ask you to talk about it. Or you could come up with your other one-liners. I'm curious. 
What do you think about spiritual matters? Who, who is Jesus Christ to you? Where is God in your life and in your situation, especially if they're telling you their problems? What do you think a real Christian looks like? Or do you want to hear about my Christian community? Do you know what I enjoy most about my church? And just see what happens. Sometimes things like that just open up. People are all over on airplanes, and they're eager to tell you their stories, and it's a real opportunity to pray and share what you feel God is giving you to say. And however simple it is, if you're doing it to God, he will honor it. Some of the last words that Jesus spoke to his followers was to witness as you go. And we possess those words of eternal life. And, you know, it's not old news. It's new every day. And the thing is, when we witness, it not only helps the person or gives them an opportunity to think about God for a while or connects them in their minds or hearts with him, but it does something for the one doing the witness. We are designed when we come to Christ to witness. And when we do it, it gives us a new fire, a new fervor, and it becomes more real and powerful to each of us. So it's not totally selfless to witness because it increases your faith as well. And why shouldn't we witness? We've come from darkness into light. We've been forgiven. We've been entered a kingdom that is eternal. And we know the hope that awaits us in this life and in heaven for eternity. And the people around us don't always, they think, many of them think this is all there is. And what a, what a desperate thought that is. People are spiritually hungry, but they're looking for something real. And I've heard people say, I don't witness because my life, I, I'm not perfect enough. I'm not good enough. Who in here is perfect enough? I'm certainly not. We're not called to be perfect. We're called to be authentic and real. And we want to be real with people. And if we're involved with non-Christians and we make mistakes or hurt feelings or do things wrong, admit it. That is unusual in this world, too. And say, I'm sorry I was wrong. Confess our blunders. And, but our passion for Christ if, will come through to those around us. You know, in families, this can take a long time. I'm sure if most of you, many of you, have members in your family that you've been witnessing to or living to or trying to get to come to church or whatever, and they seem to have no interest. And, and I don't know what it is, but being a witness in your own family is the hardest place to be a witness. I, uh, my brother's with the Lord now, but he was uh, one of the strongest Christians I've ever known other than my father. And he was a great witness in the town that he lived in, in the little community, and he was always involved in doing good and quietly in some in, in many cases, and, but he was an open witness for Christ. Well, he had three children that, that believed, but he had one son. He was tough as nails, and uh, he just didn't believe. My brother prayed for him and talked to him a few times and just ended up, like most of us do, just praying and just living out the life as best he could in front of him. And when my brother died during the days before his death, and during his memorial service, people just flocked to say goodbye to him. 
and say thank you for this and for that. And it was all about Christ, and it was all about doing all the things we're taught to do as a Christian. And his son was observing all this and hearing this, not from his father, but from others in the community. And at the end of the memorial service, he said, it must have been real. I think it was real. You know, I felt sad. I felt glad, but I felt sad. I wish my brother could have heard that, but maybe he did. We don't know. Or if he didn't, he will someday, that his prayers were answered and his life witnesses was not in vain to his family. So don't despair if you relate in any way to this story. Keep praying and trusting God is using you, and sometimes it takes years of witnessing for someone to really believe and for for Christ to really reel them in. And remember, Jesus said it. Witness as you go. Give testimony. Speak of him. Share. Don't be embarrassed to share with those around you. The early church did that. Much to, many of them gave their lives and they were dispersed and we know all the problems if we've read Acts. But they did it and that's why we're here today. We wouldn't be here today if they had decided it's too risky to speak of Jesus. And obviously someone or some people spoke to you. Maybe it was your parents, maybe it was some, someone spoke to you about Jesus Christ and you saw the realness in their lives or you wouldn't be here. So it's one generation away, as they say, from extinction unless we do our part. God's promises are true. And if you live by it as best you can, we're not perfect, it will bear fruit and it'll bear fruit in witnessing And not only will it bear fruit eventually, but it will bring a new vitality to your personal faith and to this Christian community. Let's do it. Let's pray. Father, who are we to even speak of you or to be witnesses to Jesus Christ except we know the power of a life given to him, the greatest miracle in the world It's a life given to Jesus Christ and transformed to be like him. Give us the courage to live it, as Peter says, with reverence, with vitality, with passion, with respect, but to live it and to speak it when we have a chance. It's an honor to be called by your name, and we thank you for all you've done in each of our lives and in this church to keep it here all these years. And, oh, Lord, we want it to stay vital in the future as well until you return again. And that's, we're called to do that. We pray all this in your name. Amen.